invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Exodus chapter 13. We return this morning after a couple of weeks away for me uh, to our Sunday morning study through the book of Exodus. Uh, this morning, looking at the very end of Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 through 22. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, there are pew Bibles in the pew racks in front of you. Our passage this morning is found on page 55 in those uh, black pew Bibles in your pew racks. Brief review. Uh, We are post-Exodus, post-Israel leaving uh, Egypt, or at least uh, leaving uh, slavery. We uh, saw back in uh, verse, in chapter 12, uh, verse uh, 33, uh, the Egyptians we read there are, are urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste, for they said, we shall all be dead. Uh, And then we see the first part of their journey. The people of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Sukkot, about 600,000 men on foot besides women and children, probably somewhere in the range of two to three million uh, people leaving here. They, they, they traveled from uh, Ramses to uh, Sukkot. We'll come back to that location in just uh, a little bit. But then they go on Moses goes on to give instructions about the Passover, actually from God, the Passover and unleavened bread. And today we're basically going to pick up their journey. So the journey, basically the the description of the journey ends back then, but now we're going to be picking up the journey again in our passage this morning. So Exodus chapter 13 beginning in verse 17, hear the word of the Lord. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Sukkot and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day And the pillar of fire by night did not depart 
from before the people. And thus far, God's holy word. Let's go to him in prayer. Our God, we ask that you would be as a light to us this morning as we open up your word. Illumine our hearts and teach us, we pray, from your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Many of you, in fact, most of you in here uh, do not know or do not remember uh, a, a faithful servant and a wonderful deacon of our church, uh, Jim Coleman, uh, who was here in um, the early days of, of my uh, pastoral ministry here. But when we had our Sunday evening uh, service, we, we, we have always had requested hymns and Whenever Jim would raise his hand with a, with, a, with a request, I always knew what it was. I didn't even have to call on Jim. I knew what he was going to request. Hymn number 600, He leadeth me, O blessed thought. He loved that hymn every time he, he had a request. That was it. He leadeth me, O blessed thought thought. 600 uh, in your hymnal. I'm not going to tell you to turn there now. We're not even going to sing it this morning. And it is, isn't it, a blessed thought that God leads His people. Yet, we are tempted to wonder sometimes how God leads us. How is He leading us? At certain times. And aren't we tempted to wonder if God is really leading us at certain times in our lives? Well, let's return to Israel after the Exodus. And clearly, this passage is focusing on God's leading his people. In fact, we see that. Uh, that we see the word lead in verse 17 and verse 21. Uh, verse 17, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not, did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, etc., etc. But 18, but God led them uh, around by the way of the wilderness, etc., and then again we see in verse 21, and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them, etc. God is leading his people here as they travel through the wilderness. That is clear. Where he led them and how he led them is what we see in this passage this morning. And I want us to look at a few things as we study this passage this morning. And the first thing is that God led his people according to his perfect plan. God led his people according to his perfect plan. And we see this in verses 17 and 18. Note, first of all, verse 17 tells us where God did not lead them. When God, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near, 
For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. God did not lead them by, the la- by way of the land of the Philistines. In other words, God did not lead them by the shortest route. And this was by far the shortest route. Now, you're going to have to kind of bear with me here as I try to, as I try to explain something visual, the, the map, basically, where, where the Israelites lived was in Goshen, which is basically in northeast Egypt, all right? So, right on the edge of the, the Mediterranean Sea. The northeast edge, right? So if they go up the coast of the Mediterranean, up farther, many miles, is going to be Israel, Palestine, where what's eventually going to be the land of Israel. Um, so, so that is the, 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 the shortest, uh, route that the Israelites would be able to take called the Via Maris, the, the way of the sea. It would be a, a very common route taken in the ancient world. In fact, they could have gotten to the land that God had promised in two weeks. Not 40 years. Two weeks. They could have arrived there. But there were, one, a series of Egyptian forts that they would have to pass by. And then when they got by them, then they would encounter the Philistines, who were a sea people who lived along the coast a little bit farther to the north. And so God knows what would happen lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. Notice at the end of verse 18 that the people went up equipped for battle, although Dr. Currid in his commentary said they were, uh, really we should probably translate this phrase, they were organized in military-like fashion. They were not yet ready for battle. Uh, that is for sure. They will face battles ahead, but they were not yet ready for battle. So what does God do? God leads them south. And then He's going to lead them farther south to Mount Sinai, ultimately. The opposite direction of where ultimately they want to go. They'll get there. They'll get there. But it's going to take 40 years and much travel to get there. First of all, I want us to see from this that God's ways and God's timing are not our ways and our timing. First of all, God accounted for their weakness as God often, regularly, accounts for our weakness. Sometimes we are not where we want to be. And that is often because we're not ready to be where we want to be. God has more work to do with us. 
before we get there. In fact, even later in the book of Numbers, in Numbers chapter 14, the Israelites send spies to, to spy out the land. And you remember the, that 12 spies go and, 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 and only two come back and say, the Lord is with us. We can take the land. But 10 come back and say, there are giants in the land. There's no way we can take the land. And, and what do they say? And in Numbers 14, 4, the people of Israel cry out, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. We'll take slavery again over where we are now. And they end up spending 40 years in the wilderness before going into the promised land. God is accounting for the weakness of His people. But secondly, it's oftentimes simply not according to God's plan. Not only is it because we're not ready for it, but it's simply not God's plan for us. The good news is, brothers and sisters, is that God is for us. God is for us. He's working all things for our good. As the, as the beloved William Cooper hymn spelled Cowper pronounced Cooper, William Cooper hymn, behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. God is good to us. Secondly, we see in our text that God leads His people according to His promises. He leads His people according to His promises. Look at verse 19. We read here, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you and shall carry up my bones with you from here. Now, this took place back in uh, the book of Genesis at the very end of, of Genesis. If you go back and, and look with me at Genesis uh, chapter 50 or just just uh, listen as I read verses uh, Genesis 50, 24 and 25. Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac and Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones from here. Now, how did Joseph know this? Well, he knew God's promise earlier to Abraham, back from Genesis chapter 15, verses 13 and 14. A passage we've read many times in this sermon series already. The Lord said to Abraham, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. Joseph trusted in the promises of God. 
The writer to the Hebrews says in Hebrews 11.22, Joseph, by faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. 400 years later, 400 years, not his body, it was bones at that time. Just his bones. Joseph knew. Joseph clung to the promises of God. And Moses remembered. Moses remembered. Moses led faithfully because he knew God's promises. He knew God's promises. This was part of Moses' motivation to keep going, knowing the promises of God, the promises of God to his servants, to his saints, knowing God's history, God's faithfulness in the past. This is what, in part, what kept Moses going in opposition to Pharaoh in face of the opposition of his own people that we've seen earlier in the book of Exodus, in the face of the Moses' own doubts that we've seen in the book of Exodus. He kept going. We need to cling to the promises of God, brothers and sisters. Peter in Second Peter chapter 1 refers to them as the precious and very great promises of God, including, he says, being partakers of the divine nature, that is, being made new in the Lord Jesus Christ, more like Christ in His holiness. I'm not singing this today either, but one of the, the great hymns in our hymnal is hymn number 94, How Firm a Foundation, where we sing of the, the great promises of God in the deep waters. They will not overflow you. In fiery trials, they will not hurt you. The conclusion of the, the hymn, the soul that on Jesus leans for repose, I will not, I will not desert to his foes. Charles Spurgeon, in a, one of his books called Flowers from a Puritan's Garden, it's a book where he reflects on the writings of the Puritan Thomas Manton. And he picks out quotes from Manton and then does his own reflection. And one of these, he, 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 he picks out this quote from Manton and then reflects. Manton had said this, we have a strong tie upon God because he gives us his promises, which is our ground of hope. Surely we may put his bonds in petition and say, your handwriting is placed before you, O God. Here it is. This is what you have said. 
And Spurgeon goes on to say this, we say among men, we have it in black and white. There is no getting over it. A man's handwriting binds him. Now we may be sure that the Lord will never deny his own writing, nor run back from a bond given under his own hand and seal. Every promise of Scripture is a writing of God which may be pleaded before him with this reasonable request, do as you have said. The Creator will not cheat his creature who depends upon his truth and far more, the Heavenly Father will not break his word to his own child. We can depend and rest on the promises of our Heavenly Father. We can preserve in trial, persevere in trial, because we know God's promises, even as Moses did, as we see here. And third, we see that God led His people by His very presence. We see in verses 20 to 22, by His very presence. Verse 20 tells us they moved on from Sukkot and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. Again, as Dr. Currid writes, here is, they are here at the gate of freedom, the final town or outpost before escape into the wilderness. And then verses 21 and 22, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. Now we actually see elsewhere in Scripture Cloud and fire signifying God's presence. We see, for instance, we saw earlier in the book of Exodus, the burning bush where God appeared to Moses. When we get to the end of the book of Exodus, in chapter 40, we're going to see a cloud descend on the tabernacle again, representing God's presence in the tabernacle. In the New Testament, we see a similar thing. The Holy Spirit descends on the day of Pentecost in tongues of fire. We also see at the transfiguration of Jesus, a cloud descends that is God's presence uh, in, in their midst. And, and, and God's voice comes out of, of that cloud. This is my beloved Son. And the good news here is what? We are not redeemed and left to ourselves. We are not redeemed and left to ourselves. Now we know that as Christians, intellectually. But do we really know that experientially? Do we really rest in that, trust in that, look to that? We have God with us to, to lead us, to guide us, not generally, but moment by moment, God is there. 
God enables us by His presence to to wait patiently. Not to frantically seek. Not to take things into our own hands. But to wait for His leading and His guidance. Notice one thing about the cloud. The cloud both reveals and conceals, doesn't it? It reveals and conceals. And often God's providence is shrouded in mystery. (laughs) And yet we are to follow as God leads. God moves, as the hymn writer puts it, in a mysterious way. And yet that does not mean that God is not always with us, guiding us. Another precious promise, of course, is that God never leaves us or forsakes us. As the hymn puts it, Fear not, I am with you, O be not dismayed, for I am your God and will still give you aid. I will enable you to stand by my righteous omnipotent hand. One of the first TV shows on the air when TV first came on and I was, I'm thankful to say I'm not old enough to have been around to be able to watch this TV show. was a TV show called Father Knows Best. You would never see a show called Father Knows Best today on the air for a variety of reasons. Uh, Today, we might see something like Father Doesn't Know Anything or something along those lines. Father Knows Best. But you know, God, our Heavenly Father, does know best. He does know best. As our guide through trials, as the one who has our ways already planned out for us and calls us to be faithful. In his book, The Christian in Complete Armor, William Gurnall writes this, Take God into your counsel. Heaven overlooks hell. God at any time can tell you what plots are hatching there against you. Take God into your counsel. Better, God bows before us to make sure we get there. The question for us is, will we be faithful to follow Him? Let's pray. God, how we thank You that You indeed are good. How we thank You that You indeed are the God who who leads us. And how we pray that you would give us grace to follow, not impatiently, not with a rebellious heart, but patiently, submissively, according to your perfect plan, which we know is what is best for us. And so, O oh God, conform us to your will by your Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.